Richard and the sound team and the praise team, we appreciate you leading us tonight. Uh, Exciting me back. I, uh, I got nervous this morning when as soon as church was over, they called a deacon's meeting. And I, just, <laughs> I thought, oh no, this is it already. No, it's, uh, I, I'm excited. It, it's a, a great time to be here and, and to, to worship the Lord. And I'm looking forward to the, the chance again. Tonight we're going to talk about um, the businessman or the rich man and the beggar man. And we're, gonna, we're in Mark chapter 10. We're in Mark chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 17. Mark 10, 17. If you'd stand as we read God's word. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow him, follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. God bless the reading of his word. Let's be seated. So this rich young man, they call him the rich young ruler, we've heard him used as many different things, approached Jesus and wanted to know something. He was desperate. It was important to him. He wanted to know about eternal life. When he asked about, have you followed the commandments? No problem. Sure, I've done it since I was a child. Really? No problem? Have you ever thought about that? You know, it's easy to think, oh, well, you know, these Ten Commandments, they're basic human things. The first four are, are talking to God, and the last six are man-to-man. You know, it's our relationship with, between God and man is the first four. Relationship man-to-man are verse, the last six of them. And yet, this young man said he, he has kept all those and not had a problem? Was he a liar? Could be. Could have thought he was. Well, he probably felt like he had kept them. He probably felt like, yeah, I've done that. I've I've done what I'm supposed to do. He was a morally good man. He did the right things. He watched out for people. He understood things. But he also probably was good at finding loopholes. You know, those little things that kind of make it. Like, he probably thought, 
I didn't actually commit adultery. Now, I may have lusted after a woman here and there, but I haven't committed adultery. Or I didn't covet other people's stuff. I just made sure I had more of it than anybody else. You see, we are really good at rationalizing what we do and how we're doing what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. This young man was obviously missing something. He didn't know. He knew he, had, he needed something from Jesus and he was seeking eternal life. He wanted to know what he had to do. Which brings us to us. We're good at doing. We really are. Works, 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 works. You know, we can do all kinds of things. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. We have a harder time with this grace thing. That it doesn't have to matter how we do it. We try to do the right things. We try to do what we know we're supposed to do. But Jesus understands. And he looked at him and he loved him. Did you see that? He looked at him and he loved him. He knew he wasn't really doing all those things. But he loved him anyway. He saw him. He saw who he really was. But he wanted to see what brought him to this point. But then Jesus gave him a hard task to do. He gave him a work to do. Now wait a minute. I thought we couldn't work our way. But yet he asks him to do something specific. This is where things get more interesting, isn't it? He's saying, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Well, that's pretty hard. If he really kept the commandments like he said he had, this should be an easy thing to do. If he really loved his neighbors, if he didn't covet all those other things, if he didn't, then he, this should be, okay, sell your stuff and come follow me and we're going we're gonna to be all right. How many of us would have come to Christ under those terms? Have you ever thought about that? I look at this and go, ooh. Give up everything you have, sell it to the poor, then come follow it. How many of us would have come? That's a difficult question. That's a difficult thing to think about. How in the world? Jesus wanted to know that all his attempts, he wanted him to know that all of his attempts to do right were futile. We don't have enough of anything to meet God's standard. If you thought about that, Jesus, God's son, God, creator of the universe, he owns it all anyway. He doesn't need our stuff. He didn't need this rich man, this rich young ruler's stuff. He didn't need that. He just needed to know that this man was committed enough to say, you know, Whatever you ask, I want to do, I want to follow you, I want to turn my life over to you, let you take care of things. If you were going to train to do the high jump, I would not jump very high, number one. But if I was training, you would not start with the bar way up high. You'd start with it lower and work your way up, right? Jesus gave him the bar all the way to the top, said, <laughs> okay, you, you, want to, you want to turn alive? Let me show you. Jump this bar. And the young ruler goes, oh no, what am I going to do? It was far beyond his reach. It was far beyond something he really thought he could handle. And instead of saying, no, I'm just going to give up. 
instead of saying, well, Lord, how do I do this? Now, I'm struggling with this. He didn't do that. He just gave up. He said, I can't do that. Good, I, he, I can't stop with the gimmicks and the other things. We all have our little gimmicks. We have our little things that we think, oh, well, I can weasel my way in. I can weasel my way into what he's got. And there's other silly ways we do and things to try to gain God's favor. Y'all ever done, find yourself doing those things? You know, let's see if I'll go take a cake to my neighbor when it's not feeling good that'll gain God's favor now hopefully it'll gain their favor I'm sure it will if somebody brought me a cake I'd feel real good about it I'd feel much better all of a sudden but see it's not that's not what saves us that's not how we earn eternal life that's not how it is we've got to quit striving and pretending and trying to do all these things on our own and there it is that's where the rubber meets the road, as it were. We cannot do anything on our own. It's impossible. This young man depended on his stuff. Some of us depend on our, our own gifts, our good, our good works, our talents, our resources, our efforts to focus on, you know, we try to do all those things instead of focusing on God's love, grace, and mercy. That's where it comes from. Salvation, eternal life, comes from His grace, His mercy. We can't earn it. We can't sell enough stuff. We can't do enough stuff. We can't go enough. We cannot earn it. This young man didn't understand what, God was tr what Jesus was trying to tell him. He was depending on his stuff. He worried about God's approval. He wanted other people to approve of him and how he was, and he prided himself in what he had. We've all done that. I'm this great trumpet player, and I pride myself in the trumpet playing, and so that's what's going to, you know, I can, I can count on that. That's my thing. Well, no, it's not. I, that won't earn me one minute in heaven. I'd like to think it would. But it won't. His grace, love, and mercy is what earns me in the heaven. I, I can't do anything. I can't play a song pretty enough. I can't preach a sermon right enough to earn God's grace and mercy. He just gives it to us. He already approves of us. He looked at him with love. He, had, he loved him. As soon as he, saw, he talked to him, he loved him. He approved. That wasn't his problem. You see, as we lose Jesus, we, lose we will lose possessions less. If we love Jesus, we'll lose possessions less. I'll get it right in the right order in a minute. We sometimes decide that our possessions are more important and we end up losing Jesus over other things. Now, if you think I'm only talking about material hot money and your wallet and your bank account and your houses and your homes and cars, no. What is it that we hold on to? We all hold on to something. All of us do. It could be our children, grandchildren. You know, those things we hold on to, don't we? You know, God, you can call me to go someplace crazy, but no, no, don't call my child to go do something crazy. 
ooh, ooh, uh, you, you see where I'm getting at. It's, it's a little easier. You know, God, God could tell me to do crazy stuff. I'm crazy enough to do them. But now don't tell me to give up my child to go do those crazy things and to go do those things that I'm not sure about. We, we, Jesus will replace anything we may give up. Ask Gideon. Ask Job. Looking out, let's see, I don't know where Gideon came from. Things just pop in your head sometimes that just are not even close. Ask Job if he does not replace anything he, you give up. Now, he had to go through an awful lot. I would have hated to go through what Job went through. But what happened? God replaced anything he lost. See, our God gives us more than we deserve. <laughs> he gives us more than we could ever account for. He takes care of us, even in the difficult days. Now, there's another person in this passage if you'll flip over your page or whatever and we're in mark 10 46 they came to jericho as jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving a city the blind man bartimaeus that is the son of timaeus was, was sitting on the roadside begging when he heard that it was jesus of nazareth he began to shout jesus son of david have mercy on me many rebuked him and told him to be quiet but he shouted all the more son of david have mercy on me jesus stopped and said call him so they called the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want from me? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now here you have a man sitting on the side of the road, yelling out, begging. Can't see. All the people around are kind of kind of embarrassed by him. We've all been there. We get a little embarrassed about somebody that's kind of yelling out, trying to get attention. He was embarrassed. Others wanted him just to quiet down. Shh, listen, Jesus is here. He's going to tell us some great things. But you know what? He had the nerve to ask Jesus what he needed and what he wanted. Jesus asked him what he wanted. Now, this man didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to give up anything. He didn't have to wear anything special. He didn't have to do anything special. Jesus gave him his sight. That's interesting. Bartimaeus showed faith in the fact that he knew Jesus could help him. And that was enough. He knew Jesus could help him. I want to see. And he says, your faith has made you whole. He not only received healing, but he also received salvation. This shows us that we need only ask and trust his grace and mercy, and he'll give it. It's just there. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do that. But why did he do that for the... Because Jesus knew the rich man had a problem. He depended on his stuff and his things to make him self-sufficient. This beggar man had nothing to depend on his self-sufficiency. He had no way to be self-sufficient. Without his sight, he was a beggar. That's the only way he could make any money. It's the only way he could do anything. 
you see, they all go together. You remember the Pharisee and the tax collector, the two prayers, it's in Luke 18, talks about the Pharisee says, I'm glad I'm not like this poor person here. Lord, you've done this. He's just this pious prayer. And the poor tax collector says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus points out which one's prayers are heard. Lord, be merciful on me, a sinner. The thought of the rich man saying you have to, what is it they said, a camel goes through the eye of a needle easier than it is for a rich man to get to heaven. That, that passage has been interpreted all kinds of ways. <laughs> I, 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 as I was studying this, again, I read through and, and you know some people say it's, well, it's this little gate on the, on the side of the wall and that if, if the camel had to kneel down and had to crawl and, and they could possibly get through it, but it was very, very difficult. I've heard that most of my life. Others say that the, the original language that it wasn't really a camel, it was a rope and trying to get a big rope through an eye of a needle, which, and then of course, the actual camel through an actual eye of a needle, okay? And which is, it, it doesn't matter, folks. What it is, is it's impossible. It's what the whole, the whole point was, it was impossible. The camel, which to the Jewish people at that time was the largest animal they knew about. That's what they saw. Largest animal. I don't know if you've seen a camel. If you've been around them, they, you know, they, they, they stand pretty tall. And we, then we thought of the smallest thing to get through, an eye of a needle. If that's the deal, it's impossible. That's what he was telling that rich young ruler. It's impossible. You have to sell everything. What he needed to do is say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I can't do this. Because what is impossible to us is not to God. And we forget that. We as Christians forget that he is in charge of doing the impossible. That's the God we serve. The one that can make it all happen. The one that will, will save us. Folks, it's impossible for us to be saved. We can't be. We cannot save ourselves. We can't do anything about it. There's nothing we can do good enough. With nothing we, can, we can't do it. It's impossible, but not with God. We've got to remember that we serve a God that does the impossible all the time. We talk about miraculous things happening, and I'm looking for miraculous things to happen here at Forest Heights. I really am. I am. Um, when I was in high school, as many of you know, I told you I played trumpet, but I also had to do a little singing in high school. I was in a little group, and they asked me to sing a solo on Easter Sunday morning in our little church. Now, I'm not confident with my voice. I never have been. Still struggle. And I was supposed to sing a solo on Sunday morning in front of a church cram packed. I mean, there wasn't a seat there. Our little church that normally had a couple hundred there had 300 and something people there. And I was nervous. 
And I got up there. I was supposed to be playing Jesus and was singing to Mary. And I started it and the words went away. I mean, zero words came out. Not one. I kind of, nah, 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 nah. I'm looking down at my director, trying to help me out, give me something, you know. They're looking at me like, what? And then finally, I caught on and finished it up and got through it. Boy, was I mad. I was embarrassed. I went back to the back, was sitting there talking to one of my friends who was in, doing a children's church at the same time. And he said, what's the matter? I said, I blew my solo wide open. It was the worst thing you've ever heard. You're like, just don't say that. That's probably not true. I went, oh, yes, it was. It was, I mean, I did, I blank. La, 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 you know, I mean, nothing. He goes, I bet nobody even heard it. I said, no, you don't understand. Nobody noticed. Seriously, the sound person sitting right there didn't notice. Oh, we saw your volume go down a little bit. We thought it was part of the song. I go back to that miracle of God because that was a miracle of God. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I blew it. But you see, God knew it. And he let that happen because I can still tell that story. That this is a miraculous thing that God's done in my life. That's one of a, a hundred of them. You know, I've got lots of miraculous stories. Uh, I mean, I, I, was, I was a youth pastor for 30 years. I, I can tell you there's some miraculous stories that we have all of us alive. You know, I mean, you take youth crazy. I took a group that the oldest was in 10th grade to New York City on mission trip. New York City, what an idiot. I must have been to take a group to New York City, the oldest being in 10th grade. One of the greatest mission trips ever. I mean, it just God used it in miraculous ways. So what does that mean? What it means is there is nothing impossible with God. We think yeah, but you don't know my circumstances. You don't think you don't understand my situation. You don't you don't understand. We, we've been struggling to build this church for years. I mean, come on, Wes. What do you mean? Nothing is impossible with God. And when we start realizing that, we start claiming that, we start following that, God is going to do miraculous things in all of our lives, me included. That's the God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. He loves you and cares for you, and there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. He's already done it. He saves us. To the death on the cross, resurrection, how does all that happen? Nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we're asking to see miraculous things happen. We want to know your presence here in this place. We want to see you do your work as no one else can, as nothing else can, 
that only you can do. We want to give you the honor and the glory because you are why we are here. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and that you save us. We love you, Lord, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation hymn, and, and if you have any decision you'd like to make, we invite you to come, whether it's Unite with this church, whether it's for salvation. Maybe you have not accepted Christ as your Savior. You may have something you'd like to pray about at the altar. We, the altar is open. This is your time. It's your decision. Stand as we sing.